Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the revamped The World as We Know It with Kyle Johnson and Emily Dwyer. And uh, we have a pretty uh, packed episode again this week. Um, as we said in the last episode, we are going to start off by talking about a pretty historic election that happened uh, in Canada. But it was not a federal election. It was a provincial election, that of uh, Manitoba, who elected uh, an NDP government led mm-hmm. by uh, Wab Canoe. Uh, and he is the first First Nations uh, premier in Canadian history. Yeah. If, it's, if you can it's, believe that. Yeah, quite a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, he ousted uh, the very infamous, uh, infamous right now, uh, yeah. conservative uh, conservative <laughs> governments of Manitoba, um, which let me just make sure I get her name right here. Heather Stephenson. Yes. Uh, she was. Uh, she is the outgoing premier, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, under a, a PC government, and they were just uh, kind of all around, not great. Uh, most yeah. no- most notably in national headlines uh, over the past few months uh, in uh, uh, their refusal to search the landfill in Winnipeg uh, for the uh, missing and murdered indigenous women that are suspected to have been dumped in that landfill. Mm-hmm. Um so that, that that's probably what they're most uh, infamous for nationally. Um, in Manitoba, they have, as many other premiers and provincial governments have done in Canada, they've uh, dismantled the healthcare system to try and basically make it as uh, bad as they possibly can. So they yeah, can push for privatization, for, for yes. you know, to put it yeah. bluntly. Um Amongst other your your average conservative policies, and uh, led a pretty nasty campaign too towards the end. Uh, yeah, with a lot of kind of uh, uh, let's say racial rhetoric and a lot of kind of uh, you probably saw that poster of it's uh, no one's in the voting booth with you. Then you know, trying yeah. <laughs> basically yeah, saying so that. Even though you're ashamed to vote for us, you can still do it because no one's watching you. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I I saw that and I was like, I don't get this. Is <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty interesting strategy there. Yes, for sure. Just for openly sure. acknowledge how everyone dislikes you so much that you can't even tell people that you're voting conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep it a secret. But that aside. Uh, they've hit the orange wave in Manitoba. Um, yes. My next door neighbors right now, or not next door neighbors, next province neighbors. Uh, and oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. What? Uh, <laughs> you went, what? <laughs> yeah, not not Just literal neighbors, yep. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it seems very promising. Uh. Well, specifically for Manitoba itself, uh, because he has very vocally been in support of revamping healthcare mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, making sure that uh, much more healthcare providers are hired and retained, 
and are treated with more dignity and respect for their position and for their time, um, as well as uh, increasing access to healthcare and increasing the general uh, variety of services that are available for that. That was that was the big thing that he ran his campaign on, and uh, it's a pretty poignant issue, I feel like, across the entire country right now. Yeah, definitely. I agree, um, especially where um, the previous government, you know, basically destroyed it, um, or not destroyed it, but, you know. Um, yeah, successive years of, of conservative kind of yes. funding and uh, yeah. and, and uh, austerity uh, in terms yeah. of health healthcare. And this is... Um, I, I've listened to a couple of the, the interviews that he's given since he's been elected, and and uh, I think it, it it really this specific issue speaks to I'd say most of the provinces across Canada. I mean, Newfoundland is not an exception when it comes to the kind of systemic defunding of healthcare and oh, the just the, not. The, the letting it completely wither away. Mm -hmm. uh, Ontario is also a very good case of a conservative government that is actively trying to dismantle public health care as we speak. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, definitely a running theme through the country right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a battle that's, that's kind of going on nationally. So to have a very uh, high profile premier come out and uh, very vocally support revamping health care and getting the federal government on board to coordinate between all the provinces because that's another thing that's happened in healthcare to Canada over the decades is that the federal government has has stepped further and further back uh, from their funding yeah, of healthcare. Very hands-off approach. Yeah, and it's basically entirely left to the provinces uh, at this point to fund and to uh, dole out. So, yeah, I think I think this it's really uh, good to see a premier who who seems to be very serious about uh, changing the way that healthcare is done in Canada for the better, you know, not not going towards privatization like most other premiers are trying to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think it's great to see um, just another NDP government. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it gives, you know, maybe some hope Yeah. Um, One th for what's to come one that feels um, genuinely uh at least somewhat progressive you know what i mean because yes there there's a there's there been ndp governments in alberta yes and, yeah uh, uh you know and not to say that they were entirely bad but they didn't run like you might expect new democrats yes. to run <laughs> yeah um yeah but yeah um, no i agree with you 100 percent. yeah yeah, hopefully it can show some, or it'll help to um, convince—not convince, but to show other Canadians that um, you can vote NDP. Um, yeah. You know, nothing—the country's not going to explode if you vote NDP. Yeah, um, you might just get a government that actually cares about you and your problems and your well-being. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Because yeah. the other big pillar of of his campaign um uh was affordability and uh ensuring that everyone has equitable ac access to food and yeah. decent housing uh especially uh right now during an inflation crisis during a housing mm -hmm. crisis in the country uh so those are the two big pillars of his campaign and 
uh, probably the two most salient issues for just regular working class Canadians. Yeah. And like you said, um, to me and to you, at least it does feel genuine, you know, it doesn't just feel like he's running on these points because, you know, he thinks that it sounds good or that it looks good. Um, it seems that, you know, change will actually come and that he's, um, focused on it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I hope that, I hope that we're right and we're not going to be eating yes. our words in a, in a few months. Or... <laughs> but especially, especially with the, the prospect of a federal election, you know, in, in, a, in a couple of years' mm-hmm. time, all of these kind of provincial elections in the run-up to a federal election, they, they're all kind of almost uh, plebiscites on how mm-hmm. the federal government is doing and how, how people view the, the parties federally. Obviously, it's not one-to-one. You can't... It's not as simple as that, especially in the case of a, a, a province like Manitoba right now, who who has very serious issues that they're dealing with internally. Um, but it still is a little bit of a litmus test of how the country is feeling towards the different political parties. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Um, yeah. And hopefully it shows some promise. Yeah, especially as, as brighter con- future. Especially as conservatives kind of lead most of the federal polling it's yeah it's nice to see a little bit of hope on the other side for sure i agree um yes and we we touched on the uh uh the prospect of uh searching the landfill uh for the the two missing indigenous women uh and uh wapkanu also seems uh very committed to doing that he's spoken pretty pretty unequivocally that this is a major priority for him and that he wants to work uh with the families uh which i think is especially important i've seen a lot of people a lot of reporters and journalists ask him about uh working with the federal government on this but every time he's asked about that he really emphasizes working with the families and working with indigenous communities and uh indigenous leaders in the province which i think uh, is much more important honestly than working with the federal government yeah i haven't seen that um but no for sure definitely way more important um you know they've gone through so much already that at least you know speaking to them and understanding you know their wishes and their wants um will be more helpful i think than talking to the federal government 100%. mr trudeau <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I don't know how much support he'll actually get from uh, from the feds. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, honestly. Yeah, because he's talked about having conversation uh, conversations with uh, Trudeau on, on health care and, and other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's going to be dialogue between the, the prime minister and any, uh, any, any uh, premier uh, across the country. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, We'll see how that kind of relationship develops as as his uh, premiership uh, progresses. All in all, it's, it's it's just nice to have someone kind of on the on the national stage who feels like they are going to be a voice of some of the more uh, voiceless people in our society and and really try to push for for good policies that are helping Canadians overall. I mean. At this point, how much stock do we really put into elections 
and politicians and and people who are who are, who are working from within that big system i mean i know personally i don't i don't put too much stock or hope into it anymore yeah yeah no it, me neither especially when not that we've been let down so many times but um you know just a lot of empty promises and a lot of yeah empty promises yeah so so you know nice to see we're happy about it and obviously we wanted to, to highlight it here but uh yeah i think as with everything just uh keeping our eyes open and uh and hoping that uh you know hoping that some good does come out of it you know it's nice to have some hope every now and then right yeah absolutely for sure um and on that uh <laughs> note of, of hopefulness um let's get into some of the things uh that do not give us much hope <laughs> yes that are word. much more quite the quite the nose dive from hope yeah how about uh how about you introduce the uh the uh tent encampment that's happening yeah um so in my province um newfoundland and labrador um on october 2nd there was a housing protest started um on the lawn of confederation building which is our um like our government legislative building um and it has grown significantly since then um they are protesting in their tents um so it's um i think i don't know if all but i know that most um are most are homeless um this is where they're choosing to pitch their tent um yeah, so I think it started with, you know, about 12 people. Um, and I know that now it's up to around 25 or 30. Um, and yeah, it has definitely gained um, some traction in our local news. Um, and as it should, um, you know, they like we've we've touched on a few, I think all the weeks that we've done this now. Um, about some something about the housing crisis um you know whether it's the lack of homes um the crazy rent prices um just like the yeah just the lack of housing um for these people um and so yeah i i think that so i think i don't know if you've seen this article kyle but um Premier Fury, I think, has has tried to promise promise them um, transitional housing, which a lot of them are um, not declining, but I think that they're really reluctant to take it because a lot of them have been in tra- um, transitional housing before, and that yeah. they're still in transitional housing, and it's you know it it leads to nowhere. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still in the same point that they're in now. Um, but yeah, no, I really hope that something comes from this, um, and that they can get, um, you know, affordable, safe places to live, um, because, you know, it is a basic human right. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And I think, you know, I, I think I somewhat misspoke saying we're transitioning from something hopeful to, to, to (laughs) something not so hopeful because, I do think there is a lot of hope in seeing people, uh, you know, fight back and yes. and and say, you know, 
we're tired of being given the runaround and people paying lip service to homelessness and to uh, uh, poor economic conditions and financial conditions. You know, we're tired of people uh, speaking out of one side of their mouth on it, but then not actually taking action, ignoring us when they're in power, policing us yeah. when we get in the way. And to truly see them say, you know what, we're, we're going to uh, basically get right into your face and confront you with this problem. So you can't go to work in the morning without yeah. looking over and seeing the consequences of your rule. You know, I, I don't know of a, of a much more effective way that they could, honestly, protest this. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. I think, like, they've, they've really picked... Um, yeah, a great spot. And it, I mean, it's such a, such a busy road too. Yeah. Um, you know, not just for the people that go to work in the Confederation building, but I mean, like so many people go up and down that road every day. Yeah. Um, so even just like getting it out there and making people understand, um, you know, like this is happening, you know, it's not, it's not something that happens away. Um, you know, it's not something that just happens in bigger cities. Yeah. Um, you know, it's happening here. Like we have nowhere to go. Um, so yeah, no, I do agree with you that you know, there is some hope in it. A sad topic, but um, hopeful that they will get what they need and what they deserve. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you made a really good point there too. Is there is I feel like in Newfoundland and probably a lot of smaller localities across the country, there's an idea about a lot of things, not just homelessness, mm -hmm. but a lot of national and international issues that people are dealing with. There's this idea that, oh, it's not here. You know, this is a problem. Yeah. This is a Toronto problem or, mm -hmm. you know, this is a Vancouver problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Toronto problems and Vancouver problems are very rarely ever problems that are specific to those cities. They're usually yeah. emblematic of something wider that's going on within the economy, within the society, within the culture. Um, and yeah, obviously the capital city of a province of Canada is not going to be immune from homelessness, from, from, uh, economic, economic disparity. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that does really need to be, uh, confronted with on a, on a daily basis and, and reckoned with, not just, not just forgotten about, um, I also wanted to mention to your point about how they, they've been offered uh, transitional housing uh, mm -hmm. or temporary housing. Um, it's, you know, that's that's never going to be a solution to homelessness. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the reason that homelessness is a problem is because these people lack homes, right? That, that's, yeah. it's, a, it's sounds very stupid when you break it down mm -hmm. that way but it's as simple as that and i said it uh during the first episode but there are many places that are not socialists they're not communists they're straight up normal western capitalist democracies like uh like austria like other mm -hmm. european social democracies who have implemented housing first policies towards homelessness and they work they work yeah they yep increase people uh in, in people's employability they mm -hmm. increase uh, they decrease unemployment they increase happiness they decrease drug use and dependence the, mm -hmm. these things solve the problems that people get so worked up about 
uh, with homelessness. You know, the, the, I feel like the rhetoric in North America, and I'm sure you've seen it with some people talking about this, is that, oh, homeless people, they're all just addicted to drugs and mm-hmm. they don't want to get any better and they mm-hmm. just stay kind of in their state of squalor out of choice mm-hmm. is basically what most people yeah. say. Yeah. When yeah. in reality, that's that's nowhere near the truth. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about it, actually, which is a good thing if they were productive conversations. Um, but just even when I drive to work and there are several people always, um, I don't want to say begging, but yeah, panhandling. There we go. That's a better term, I guess, um, at intersections. And I've had conversations with people at work. And it's like, well, McDonald's is hiring. Okay, but how do you get a job if you don't have a permanent address? Yeah. And how do you get a job if you're stuck in, you know, temporary transitional housing and you're a recovering addict and people are using there? Yeah. You know, like you there's there's no there's no way out. Like it's it's a circle, I mean, you, you know? Don't, you don't have access to a reliable shower, hygiene. Yeah. You don't have access to reliable food. Yeah. When, you, when you don't have housing, it's very, very difficult. Per, permanent housing, right? Not not just the gathering place. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as, as great as uh, the gathering place is for the certain services that they do provide. You know, I'm not going to say that it's a bad resource or, or any of these things are bad things because they do, they help people's immediate problems when they have the space and time to do so. Uh, but that's really the issue. You know, it doesn't help long-term problems and it doesn't help people when they don't have the space and when they don't have the time and when they don't have the resources. Um, yeah. So really, permanent housing is needed to establish yourself at all as an average citizen in society, let alone getting a job where yeah. you have expectations from your coworkers and your boss that are simply just too challenging to meet when you don't have housing. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that points like that in this conversation, it's, it's just, uh, it's kind of a... It, it, truly ignorant way of of looking at the issue and 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 not really seeing the reality on the ground for uh for people who are who are in those positions yeah because yeah and because they're they're just people you know who have been dealt a bad hand that most of us could easily be dealt oh 100 percent. you know like we're all only not all of us but you know a lot of us are only you know a few bad sicknesses or a few, you know, bad checks away. Yeah. Really, you know, especially with the housing crisis as bad as it is. Um, so, yeah, I think people people just need to be empathetic. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> about a lot of things. But yeah, yeah, just just generally in life. Yeah. It's something yeah. that it's something that uh our western capitalist society is lacking mm-hmm. a lot of the ability to 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 see uh see the world from from a perspective not just outside your own but but varying different perspectives that are truly challenging uh 
because I feel like with empathy and and seeing oh you gotta see the world from someone else's shoes or however that saying goes Mm -hmm. uh you know it's a platitude that gets talked about a lot and brought up a lot but I don't think most people truly reckon with trying to view the world in all of its complexity and in all of its nuance and recognizing the humanity of every single person on the planet and I I think uh I don't I don't want to cut this conversation off short if there if there's more that we that we want to say about it uh but I think that premise about mm-hmm. the, the the struggle to see the world and its complexities and nuance and understand the humanity and everyone it's it's very uh uh symbolized in the the uh the israeli palestinian conflict that is currently flared up right now yeah uh, no i i agree for sure and i don't have anything else to add on um, yeah on this topic yeah so uh so may- maybe just my concluding thoughts on the housing thing is uh uh support them a lot really uh really glad that they're they're doing this that they're having their mm-hmm. voices heard engaging in democracy what else can you ask for in a citizen and uh yeah if anyone is listening that uh that wants to help out i encourage you to to find the people that are on the ground uh there every day I, i've seen a few people who i know are, are big uh in the community uh who are who are helping organize yeah. things for uh yeah. for the for the protesters mm-hmm. um I've seen that they, while they haven't had a very difficult time with police, uh, they're not allowing them to establish any permanent structure outside of the tents. So they wouldn't let yeah. them put a porta potty there or anything like that. So you know, when you're when you're facing those challenges, it's 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 really well, it's really challenging to to just live yeah. like that. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, have you heard of any kind of harassment that they've gotten just from average people? Or I don't think so. No, I think everyone who has everyone who has you know gone has been the going to support them. Okay. No one's gone just out of you know pure, I guess, hatred right. um, for people, um, which that, is good. That, that was very um, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah at least they're not you know, like i i have definitely seen and heard you just in conversation and in um online um people who are not supportive but you know as long as long as they're not being like actually harassed you know at least yeah. it's one thing yeah they can they can take the uh the twitter bullies mostly because they're probably not actually on twitter anyways but that's oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is true that's uh yeah one thing that i wish i could uh i could take from from the uh the protesters there not not be on twitter yeah honestly <laughs> um which is also i feel like very relevant for the final thing that we're going to talk about here which is the uh the news of the world uh this this week and and probably will be for a little while longer and and obviously this has been a conflict that's been ongoing for many decades now mm-hmm. and uh you know once once the news blows over and then cnn has another story to talk about uh most of the west will forget about this but 
uh, it's still going to the ramifications of this will will be seeing for years. Uh, I'd, Absolutely. I, I'd, I would suggest. Um, so to bring people up to speed or as mostly kind of as an archive for when this was taken, just a few days ago, um, there was a attack uh, by Hamas, which is a, to put it broadly, a political entity slash terrorist organization, um, which is the administering basically government body uh, in the Gaza Strip. Um, they launched an attack, an invasion really, of, yeah. of Israel. Uh, the first couple of things that we saw were, uh, people flying over the Israeli smart wall with, uh, I don't even know what they're called. They're like, I don't know if you saw these, but they're like makeshift planes almost. They're, they're, I didn't see those. I just, I heard, I heard airstrikes, but I didn't see. No, um, these were like the most rickety things that I've ever seen. And they were flying over the wall, like, like just people in them flying over the wall to oh get over. Oh my god. Wow. Uh, it was a uh, yeah, I forget the searcher. I forget the uh the actual term that that is used for <laughs> for those uh, flying devices. <laughs> uh but uh that those were some of the first scenes. I, there was a video going around of a bulldozer who just completely demolished a segment of the wall and and people were just flooding mm -hmm. in to Israel. Uh, as you mentioned, there were bombings uh, that Hamas mm -hmm. did of uh, of Israel, and also the uh, what's gotten most of the media attention uh, up until I would say maybe yesterday and today uh, was the ground attack uh, against mm -hmm. Israeli civilians and non-Israeli civilians who were there. Most notably, there was a music festival happening right at the border with Gaza. And once uh, Hamas invaded, they abducted a bunch of the concert goers. Uh, they beat them, paraded them sh through the streets, um, mm -hmm. sexually assaulted many of the women and men who were there, and uh, and 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 murdered a lot of them. Not just at this music festival, but kind of uh, within the invasion in general. They have. I believe they have uh, over a hundred hostages, uh, yes, for lack of a I better term, so. uh, within I Gaza, so. and they've been spread across. Uh, uh, I believe Hamas has been vocal that they're spread across the entire territory of the Gaza Strip, so Israel is basically unable to bomb yeah. an area of the of this Gaza Strip without potentially killing an Israeli civilian. Yeah. Um, up until again up until about a day or so ago that was the big news in response israel has started to retaliate uh mostly through right now a mass mass air bombing campaign uh which has leveled entire city blocks uh yeah. in the gaza strip yeah the, uh, the pictures are Horrifying. Crazy, yeah, yeah. horrifying. Yeah, there, there's a. Uh, I know there was one particular video going around of a of a father holding his, uh, I think it was eight eight month old child. Oh my goodness! Just completely limp in his arms, and it's, it's you know, 
hard to hard to even imagine the actual reality of that to experience that as a human being in, in our position right now you know in, yeah. in in the west yeah i know it, it's just i saw i saw um an interview between um i i i think it was a re- just a reporter and um a father um and he got a call that his daughter had been killed and he was like i'm gonna say relieved um obviously not relieved but relieved that she had been killed and not brought to gaza Mm. um just because he was saying like you know it it was the best outcome of the of them you know of the options that could have and i it was oh my god so heartbreaking yeah i i feel like you know, in a lot in a lot of these conversations, I'm I'm glad that that we're starting by talking about just the the on the ground experience that we're that average civilians are seeing. Not not people who are fighting for Hamas, not people who are in the IDF, just average people who are trying to live their lives, um, and they're being completely. Uh, I don't know. There, there's no way to describe this that feels. Uh, accurate and and uh you know impactful enough to really describe kind of the 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 lows of humanity that we're seeing uh happen over these Mm -hmm. past couple of days yeah um but yeah i think i think that's something that that's getting lost on on every side right now is that is that these are palestinian or israeli the the civilians who have died are human beings who had full lives and full families and experienced mm-hmm. every single bit of that trauma. Uh, and uh, no matter which way you slice it, that is, that is awful. And I think that's, that's the main thing that, that we're reflecting on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, um, I don't want to say distasteful, but I can't think of a better word. So distasteful. Um, what feels like empty Instagram stories mm. um, from from people, I guess, on either side. Um, just forgetting that, or what seems to be forgetting that, that they're just human beings yeah. that have been killed. Um, you know, and I, yeah, I just, I'm not sure how, what, what, like, what will make that point drive home for people that, you know, they are just human beings yeah. um, on all sides yeah. being killed, not, not doing the killings. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess that, I no, that's to make that point very clear. <laughs> I think that's, that is a thing to keep in mind uh, too, actually. And it's something that's, that also goes unsaid a lot is that, yeah, the people who are doing the killings, both, Hamas and mm-hmm. and uh Israeli forces mm-hmm. they are also human. Uh yeah. you know they they are not monsters uh, despite their actions. You know not this is this is not to to say that their actions aren't horrific. But yeah. humans do horrific things. Yeah. Humans do terrible things. They have they have done and can will continue to do terrible things for many hundreds of years. 
right? So so to try to make out any side like they're just barbaric animals, subhuman for their depravity uh, is, uh, you know, that's also harmful. And I think yeah. it, it, it's important that we do recognize that, hey, humans have the capacity for terrible, terrible evil. Uh, yeah. And, and that that needs to be recognized, too. And I think I, I, I don't know how we, we haven't talked about this beforehand. I don't know how you personally feel about it. But for mm-hmm. me, I think in, in mostly situations at, at, to make a bad analogy, because uh, I don't think that they're similar at all. But uh, as in uh, with Russia and Ukraine or any other conflict like this, my first priority is how do we stop? people from dying and getting hurt and how do we move forward with a kind of concrete peace uh and that that's not just uh you know a kind of platitude of peace but long-standing actual solutions to uh issues yeah because i mean palestinian people have been living in you know, horrible, horrible, um, can, I don't want to say condi- but conditions, you know, not forever, but, you know, since quite some time ago. Um, since for, so, for the past, you know, 70, you know, 80 years, since, since yeah, exactly. right? Um, yeah. Um, and so I think I agree with a lot of, um, the Palestinian people that I follow that, um, like these empty promises of, you know, quote unquote peace. Um, I guess not necessarily empty promises, but just the quote unquote peace that everyone is, you know, throwing around. um, Because not, is not helpful. Because it's not a solution. The way, the way that they're Um, using peace uh, does not mean, you know, a true end to the conflict. It means go back to the way that it was before Hamas attacked. That's, that's what they want. And that's, that's not peace to palestinians no. that is still war that's yes, still violence exactly. that's still yeah. colonialism yeah right? exactly and, and i think and i think no, sorry you go ahead continue. <laughs> i want to catch off um i i was just i was just going to say that that really gets at kind of the crux of the issue now and and really in this situation israel holds all the chips mm-hmm. they have the international support Yes. From, from states they they've always had that now for the most part too they have international sympathy from civilians of most of the western countries because of what what's happened mm-hmm. uh palestinians despite facing terrible terrible hardships and attacks and violence for many years have never gotten that kind no. of sympathy from a, from a western audience um and 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 very it's very unlikely that they will get it now um yeah, which is heartbreaking. Yeah, it it is it is very heartbreaking because this is this is one of the uh, probably one of the worst uh, human rights abuses on the earth right now is is yeah is the, uh, the Palestinian occupation. Um. So. Yeah, it, it's it, it's it's difficult to talk about, um, because it it is. Uh, there is so much hurt there mm-hmm. and there is so much trauma. Um, but this is really a situation where uh, 
to put it bluntly, Israel knows what it's doing. The government yeah. of Israel knows what it's doing, and it's known yeah. what it's been doing for many, many years. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard the the most well recent, as in about a day ago, news about the Hamas attack uh, specifically is that the, uh, the Israeli government had been tipped off that this was oh, going to happen. I, I didn't hear that. Yeah. So Egypt had uh, uh, Egypt's intelligence agency had actually reached out to uh, to Israel to let them know that something of this ilk was going to happen, that there was some wow. kind of attack on Israel that was. Uh, being planned in Gaza, and uh, the uh, Israeli government ignored it wow. and did not take steps to prevent anything that that happened. Um, yeah, because because the the first news was like, oh my goodness, we did not see this coming. Yeah, um, and I just found that strange because I don't know, like there are so many intelligence groups, you know, like bordering and just israeli intelligence yeah um that i was like how did they how was nothing you know ever mentioned not mentioned but i guess you know how did they not catch wind of it well um they wow. had <laughs> yeah they had. I, yeah that, that was what i could only figure was that they, they were lying um not lying but yeah, that, I mean that's not to say like how far this information actually reached because because yeah. for for such kind of sensitive intelligence, mm -hmm. you know if if the the people in the Israeli government that got it, you know Netanyahu or whoever, right? Yeah. If they don't want it past a certain level, it doesn't get. Oh past yeah, that it level, doesn't though. go. No. Uh, Goodness, no. Yeah. So. I think we'll we'll probably never know the true extent of exactly mm -hmm. how that intelligence went down and and, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I I just wanted to bring up another point, um, or I guess not a question, sort of. Yeah. Um, did you or have you heard that um, Hamas is planning on um, broadcasting their hostages this weekend? Oh, I've not I've not heard that. No really wow every like second maybe third tiktok that i was watching earlier around four um was like parents um saying you know like you you need to limit your kids social media this weekend oh, wow. um like like youtube um instagram stuff stuff like that um because yeah and i'm not sure i i meant to look up an article to see um, what was said, but I think, yeah, they're planning on broadcasting, um, this weekend, um, the hostages and along with that, I'm sure will come violent, um, violent situations. So, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it'll and definitely I, be something we'll be watching. I'm, in I'm interested to, yeah, I'm interested to see what, um, Uh, what the reaction will be, I guess, or yeah. if it'll even happen, you know. Yeah, it's it's hard with stuff like that. You never you never know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Where, if where it's, it's actually happening, from. or yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I just yeah. It's definitely it's definitely something that I could uh, I could see uh, happening, and uh, yeah, the the Arab world in general has has some experience with utilizing social media in uh, in mm -hmm. in kind of anti-colonial struggles i hate to use that term for uh you know the actions that hamas is doing right now but but it is a part of it so so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to mince words um 
But if you think back to 2011 and the Arab Spring, uh, a lot of uh, Arab countries utilized social media to get the word out about the kinds of government repression that they were facing and to really yeah. organize and galvanize uh, the 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 people of, the, of those countries against kind of the more oppressive regimes that they were facing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not surprising that the, that they would try to, to capitalize on social media, especially when a lot of kind of the traditional media space is taken up by uh, groups who are very supportive of Israel and yeah. and aren't broadcasting a lot of, of stories uh, from from the Palestinian perspective. Uh, again, not not trying to conflate Palestine and uh, and Hamas at all, but but no, but, I... but they're a part of the same kind of uh, kind of system here. Absolutely, but uh, yeah, I think um, it it needs to be said that that there is a power imbalance here. Um, despite how horrific the attacks were, this is still a settler colonial state yes. against uh, people that they are occupying. Mm-hmm. You know, the colonized people yeah. and. Uh, that have been facing, as we both said, many, many decades at this point of some of the most abject conditions that a human can be forced to face. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I- I'm fi- I'm finding it hard to find a good way to really vocalize uh how kind of ignorant is not necessarily the right word to describe it because I feel like again the Israel uh, Israeli government knows what its policies are doing but it's done nothing but provoke some kind of action from from Palestinians in Gaza uh, yeah. and in the West Bank um, yeah so it's, it's not it's not shocking that there would be some kind of retaliation for the violence that's enacted on them daily. Um, yeah, I I agree 100%. And that is in I I'll speak for you too, but that is in no way um supporting, no. you know, the attacks by Hamas. It does it doesn't justify um, anything. It doesn't. No, it, but it it does explain Exactly. I guess to to a certain degree. Um not the not the horrifying you know, evil that has occurred, but you know, to a certain degree, I think it does explain, um, at least why. Yeah, I, I mean, just because a horrific event happens doesn't mean we can all of a sudden forget about history and forget about how power is structured in the world. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, they still have a direct effect on what is happening. Yeah. Um, so you know, so many people. In the West, and 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 I would say more so nowadays, just worldwide. It's so it's like the uh, the uh, I support the current thing that meme. You mm-hmm. know, there there yeah. is so much like this is the news of the minute, and so everybody's got to have an opinion about it. Everybody's got to put an Israeli flag in their Facebook profile picture yeah. or whatever. You That's know, what I stand with Israel. Yeah, um, and it's and it's totally vapid. It's meaningless because they're all yeah. like I said, they're gonna forget about this in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the face of that, we still, we need to, we need to still deal in reality 
here. We we can't just pretend like Palestinians haven't been oppressed and this is totally coming out of nowhere. Uh, it still needs to be understood within its context to kind of get at the right opinion and to try to understand what long-term solutions would be. And the only real long-term solution and the, the long-term path to peace is an end to the occupation, an end to expanding settlements in Gaza and in, in the West Bank uh, mm-hmm. as a start of the conversation, yeah. really, and then going from there how how Israel can can pursue reconciliation. Uh, Absolutely. With that, I, I think... I think that's about uh, that's about all we had to say. Yes, I uh, think so for this week. Um, as with all previous weeks, we'll we'll be probably still watching these stories fairly closely, and uh, mm-hmm. especially this one. I, I think if if it if it stays hot for a while, we'll probably be talking about it for uh, for a couple of consecutive weeks. Absolutely. Um, but until then, thank you all for listening. And yes. Thank you. And we will see you back here for the next episode.